Welcome one and all to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. My name is Mike Householder. I'm your host and I'm joined today by a guest co-host, my wife, Sally. Hello, Sally. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again and pinch hitting for Emily Langpaul. Uh, Emily is uh, quarantining. She told us we can share that with our podcast audience uh, because she was exposed to somebody who has COVID and we're praying that that's all it is and she can yes. get back in that chair soon. Although... It's always, sure. good. it's always good to hang out with you. <laughs> it's fun to be here. Thanks yeah. for asking. Yeah, and but you we know, miss Emily. <laughs> we miss Emily a lot. We Not having her around, it feels like we're definitely like limping along. But um, it is, you know, post-Valentine's Day, so it's nice to be with my Valentine. Yes, that's nice. I like so that too. <laughs> that's good. Is this getting awkward for our guest? Probably. Uh, we better just kind of transition <laughs> right. and yeah. change the subject. Sally, would you please introduce our guest for today's episode? Okay. Well, today we're joined with Pastor Richard Webb, who, who is actually Dr. Richard Webb. And um, if you know him, you love him. So we're happy that he is here with us today. Can you explain to us um, what your doctorate is in? Yeah, uh, my doctorate is in leadership development, specifically uh, the Christian understanding of it. And um, my thesis was on investigating uh, how does God grow people? And there's sort of three aspects. One is the relationship aspect. Second is the development. And that's how God uses all events, circumstances, and in and, and, and relationships to, to shape us in his image. That's Romans 8.28. And the third one is then what's the point? And that we call that the missional aspect. And the point is that God wants to flow not only in us, but through us to the neighbor. Mm. And I took a look at that from a scholarly standpoint, especially in churches like Hope. How to, you know, what's the best practices uh, for, for churches like uh, like our size and kind to make that happen? Uh, so that it was kind of fun. Well, and it comes in more than a little bit handy uh, for the role that you carry out here at Hope uh, you're very much a professor uh, in our congregation, um, a lead teacher of scriptures and theology and church history and uh, all sorts of uh, spiritual things. Prayer uh, would be another one. And people who take Dr. Webb's classes um, always come out with a couple of different reactions. One is my head is spinning. And, and the other one is, my goodness, I'm learning a lot, um, you know, along the way. So, Richard, you're a real gift uh, yeah. to this church called Hope in this community. And that's why we have you on this particular episode, too, because this is, this week, the season of Lent begins, which is a season of renewal. We're calling it here at Hope 40 Days of Renewal. Uh, that is our theme for Lent. And we want to we wanna unpack that because there are a lot of church words that get thrown around um, you know, discipleship is one of those. You you lead our discipleship ministries here at Hope. Uh, tell us, let, let's start there, because Lent is a season of growth. It's a season of renewal. Mm -hmm. Discipleship is, is related to that. Uh, but that's, mm -hmm. I don't think we should assume, even if you've been in church for a long time, that we necessarily have a full grip on, on the definition of, of the origin of these words and the application of these words. So, let's start there. Tell us what discipleship means, Richard. You bet. It's, a, it's an ancient word uh, used a lot in the first century, and it literally means to, to apprentice somebody. In other words, to follow your teacher and imitate him or her in everything she or he says or does. So the disciples followed Jesus and attempted to imitate not only his teaching, where they could teach the same thing he taught, but to also live the same way. Uh, it's also a gradual thing where uh, one of the beautiful things of discipleship is that mistakes are opportunities, not problems, because you learn from them. Um, and it's a process that goes over and over and over again. So 
Um, you know, sometimes when we go backwards, we're actually moving forward, which is kind of like life. Um, but it, it, it's, uh, a learning, a way of learning that involves the whole being because you're, you're not only feeding your, your head, but your heart, and then you're moving it into actions. Well, and part of the purpose of this podcast, Sally and Richard, and to all our listeners is that, is that would be discipleship would be that people would be pointed to Jesus Christ and would follow him. And particularly during the season of Lent, it is this Christian tradition that we emphasize that, that we say this is a season, a 40-day season of discipleship, a, a time of renewal, um, a, a time, it, Lent literally means springtime, and so it is this time of new growth, of new opportunities. Sally, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this ahead of time, but okay. <laughs> you've been a Christian for a long, long time since childhood. Um, you grew up in a tradition that embrace the season of Lent as part of its practice. So when you hear the word Lent, just practically, um, what are some of the things that you were taught growing up about what Lent means? Because I have a feeling a lot of our listeners are going to be able to relate to that. Oh, I guess I always feel like when I hear Lent, I just feel preparation for Easter. Spring is coming. Um, the the snow is going to melt. And it's just kind of a time to just prepare for Jesus, Jesus' resurrection. How did your family and how did your church practice Lent when you were growing up? Uh, we had Wednesday night services, and it was really fun because, well, I was in the kids' choir, so we would sing on Wednesday nights. Um, but every every week that you went, if you if if you were a kid, you would receive a little prize every Wednesday night, and <laughs> nice, then nice. at the end of the um, the whole Lenten season, you'd get a a big prize if you showed that you were there for every one Lenten service. So, uh, so perfect attendance was encouraged yes. with these prizes yes. for kids. Yeah, carrots work good for me, so that was a good thing. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, so you you acquired the Lenten perfect attendance prizes then? I did. Wow, I did. Yeah, it's impressive. Which you know, as as the Lord would have it, here you are co-hosting as our guest co-host for the Lenten episode of Pastor Mike Drop. <laughs> yeah. Kind of fun. <laughs> it is. It's so as 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 uh, as it is written, so let it be done. Right. So, <laughs> Richard, uh, if if discipleship means following Jesus, and it does, and learning from him, of being a, an apprentice of Jesus, uh, and the root word in the Greek, I know also from the text means student, and so in in that sense, we are following our teacher. Um, yeah. And let's dive right in then to some uh, more specific questions that I think are going to help anybody who's tuning into this podcast get a deeper understanding for the season of Lent, but not just the tradition of it, but the biblical basis for the things yeah. that healthy Christians do during this season. There's an unhealthy way to do Lent, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. then there's a spiritually healthy way for us to embark yeah. on this season that we're beginning this week. So, we want healthy uh, Christians. Yeah. We want yeah. spiritually healthy people. So, let's... Uh, Let's begin our workout, uh, if you will, which Sally is right up your alley. You're kind of a workout person, so hit us with the questions. Okay, time for the two-minute drill? It is time for the two-minute drill. Yes, it is. <laughs> two-minute drill! I got to just say, that was good co-hosting on your part, because I totally forgot the two-minute drill, <laughs> Khalil Carter uh, insert there, but you uh, you set that up on a tee real nice. Well I done. Lo- I always look forward to that part, so... <laughs> Okay, what is Lent, and how far back do the origins of Lent go? Richard, let's start with you. All righty. The word Lent literally means springtime, and it goes all the way back to probably the 3rd and 4th century, 
and it was an initially a time of evangelism when when um, Christianity had not gone all the way across Europe. Then w- once it had, and there there was no obvious evangelism to two, it became a time of re-evangelism. What does it mean to reacquaint ourselves with the good news of Jesus? What does it mean to take a deeper dive into the good news of Jesus? And and so Lent was a special focus time when we leaned into what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to to reacquaint ourselves with the promise of, of eternal life and and resurrection? So, Richard, when I hear you say that, that's that takes us way back. So, we're not talking about a tradition that just started with the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. We're going back to the third or fourth century. What mm-hmm. what do you know about, what's the motivation for Christians to start that tradition? I mean, you would like to think the motives were good when it, was, when it, when it started. So, here we, we mm-hmm. celebrate Easter when we do, and then mm-hmm. somewhere along the way, some group of Christian leaders decided... Let's do this thing called Lent. What, what do you think the motivation for that was, or what do you know about that? Well, um, the motivation was, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and His promises, so let's go proclaim that to all the people who don't know. So we're going to have a 40-day evangelistic emphasis. And then, again, once every, all Christianity came across all of Europe, it converted into a 40-day kind of re-evangelism or renewal emphasis. So initially evangelism, and then um, now renewal. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I think one thing leads to another too. I'm fond yep. of saying if evangelism doesn't lead to discipleship and to Christian growth, then it really isn't evangelism. Uh, when Jesus says go, he says go and make disciples. He doesn't just say go and get church members. Uh, but discipleship, yep. if it's going to be faithful, is going to push us back to evangelism too. Because if we're going to yep. be the deepest uh, followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to learn as much as we possibly can about the Christian faith on this journey through life, that's always going to be something that is going to motivate us. Well, actually, it's going to mandate us. We're not going to have a choice. Yeah, yeah. It is mm-hmm. not an option for Christians to keep faith to themselves. It is not an option for us to take the light of God's grace and just say, it's mine. And I don't care if you know about this good news uh, or God's love for you. So, evangelism is sharing that good news of God's love with the world around us. And so, faithful discipleship at its deepest levels always leads to evangelism. Faithful evangelism at its most faithful levels always leads to discipleship. It's not a competition. Christians who say, well, I'm, I'm into discipleship, not evangelism. You're really not, because if you're into discipleship, you're going to evangelism is evangelism is not an option. And those who say, "Well, I'm just yeah, here to yeah. you know try to get more people to get into heaven," and, you know that mm-hmm. kind of evangelism. It's not really evangelism unless you want to point them to discipleship and following Jesus Christ. Uh, so there it is. Let's move on, though. We've got another question. Okay, is there something significant about Lent as a season that lasts forty days? Why forty, Richard? Why 40? Well, 40 tends to be a growth time. If you start looking all over the Bible, um, you you have 40 days, Noah and the ark, and, and it's also a waiting time. So Noah is waiting for God to do something, and then we have 40 days in the wilderness, and the people of God are waiting for God to do something. Um, and then you've got another 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness with it being tempted. Uh, but each one of these is not only waiting, but also growth. Then we have the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and um, his ascension into heaven. So 40 is, is associated with, with, with growing in patience, being able to sit with something even when it doesn't look like God's acting. 
And then it, the second is it's a time of growth, or you might even say a time of transition. So, for example, the Israelites transition out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness for a while, and then they go into the promised land. Yeah, that number 40 is a big deal in the Bible. We just came out of a series called All Things New at the beginning of this year here at Hope, which focused on the number seven and how often that comes up in scripture. That was really fun. And now we're going to continue the fun with numbers, not as the main thing, because I don't think it's the main thing in the Bible, you know, 740. Mm -hmm. But those numbers have meaning and they have significance. So, it's sort of another fun subplot in our Lenten sermon series called 40 Days of Renewal. So, the emphasis on 40, you mentioned 40 years in the wilderness, uh, 40 days, uh, Jesus in the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness for God's people in the Old Testament in their exodus from slavery to freedom of a new life in a promised land, 40 days for Jesus in the wilderness as he's tempted by the devil right before he starts his ministry. There's some lesser known 40s in the Bible too, which we're going to dive into as a church uh, during this season. Uh, 40 days, Goliath punted uh, David and all the other Israelites and his brothers yeah. and, and everybody before um, that turned into the kind of one of David's shining moments where he took the slingshot and and let the giant have it. Um, Elijah, uh, for 40 days, uh, on his way to a mountain where he encountered communion with God in in a deep, prayerful kind of way. These things, um, I can't wait to share with the church, uh, both through in our preaching, our teaching, our daily devotions, this podcast. Um, There's something about that number 40. This number doesn't come up accidentally. It's also a number that describes the number of years that some of the more famous kings, uh, and um, in one case, the judge Deborah, ruled over Israel for 40 years. Uh, That 40 is really significant. Uh, It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, as you mentioned with Noah, and on and on and on we can go. And so, Lent being a season that's 40 days is significant because it is, as Richard, you said, it is a time, it it can be a time of testing, but that testing can refine us and strengthen us and draw us into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm really excited about that for myself, but I'm excited about that for our world because I think it's what our world needs right about yes. now, coming up on, you know, one year into this pandemic and hopeful signs, but we, um, we're still in it. And so, we need some renewal <laughs> right about now. It'd be nice to hit that renewal button. Um, the other thing is, Richard, explain to us this is kind of fun with numbers and math. Um, explain to us how you get 40 from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, because if you actually count the days on a calendar, it turns out to be 46. And so, how is it that we get from 46 to 40 and still call it 40 days of Lent if people are actually like checking it on a calendar? That's because we get Sundays off. Amen. Um, <laughs> so, so, if you're giving up chocolate for Lent, you can eat it on Sunday, technically, yes, yeah, actually, traditionally. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday's the party day. <laughs> uh, but seriously, a part of it is um, the folks who, who made the decision about all this stuff, they've always said that, that every Sunday is Easter Sunday. And so, by exempting them from Lent, we, we go to Easter every week, and, and we are reminded of the promises of Christ because of His death and resurrection. And that allows us then to go back during the week and focus in on on what we're focusing in on on Lent. It's sort of like we get our our tank filled on Sunday, and then we go back into the practices of Lent. Nice. Wow. So Sunday and Sunday is this little Easter, uh, as as it's taught in our seminaries that the day we we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, as you're talking about. 
But let's move on. It is a two-minute drill after all, and that was at least three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. What's the meaning of the ashes on Ash Wednesday? Ooh, people want to know, inquiring yeah. minds. What's with the ashes? Yes. Well, it, I think it goes all the way back to um, Genesis 3 when our, our first parents rebel against God. And they discovered that they've been dis- they've disconnected themselves from God, just like a branch, if it's disconnected from a vine, then gets all shriveled up and dies. They've done the same thing, and so God says, "This is what's going to happen. This is the results of what you've done. You you no longer live in my life." Uh, and so, from ashes, you know, from dust to dust, you were created, and from dust root shall return. Ashes um, to ashes, dust to dust, right? Yep, exactly. Um, it is interesting, though, in the middle of that, God gives the promise that there will be a wounded warrior who will one day restore eternal life. Yeah, Richard, so even, yeah. I was just going to say, because, you know, what you just described in Genesis is not a real hopeful theme. <laughs> it's no. like, well, God's cutting you off, so enjoy Lent. Yeah. Uh, that, that should be lovely. <laughs> yeah. go, ahead and, go ahead and throw some ashes on your forehead and uh, have a nice 40 days. Where's the hope come in? Because this is ultimately a hopeful season. Yeah. Well, again, it goes into this little promise inserted in there where one day the snake, the serpent who who deceived Adam and Eve will be dealt with. And then that expands into a larger promise that one day all the consequences of the rebellion will be dealt with and we will be restored. And and that restoration uh, is then... um, made possible or actually actually accomplished in Jesus' resurrection. So now we live not under the curse. Yes, physically we still do. We're all going to die. But from an eternity standpoint, the curse has been lifted, and, and, and we are being reconnected to God, and we will live forever with Him, and one day we will be completely restored. So Lent is this sort of double thing where we reflect on the consequences of our brokenness and how even today they manifest. Uh, but... Uh, on the promise of of what God is doing about it and what He's already done about it in Jesus, and so it's that double thing. It's like people who struggle with addictions; they're brutally honest about their addiction, but they're also, especially in in like a ministry like Celebrate Recovery, is they also are truthful about the hope they have. So their addiction is not their last word. Yeah, I'm going to hit the pause button there because because I think this is where a lot of our uh, listeners, myself included. Um, you know, Sally, Richard, maybe this is how you guys feel too. One of, the, one, of my, one of the greatest things about Christianity is we get to be honest with God and with ourselves and even with one another. And so, to start the season of Lent with Ash Wednesday is, it's a Christian tradition. And, and on a certain surface level, that's all it is. But on a deeper level, it's biblically based because of what you just described, sin is a serious problem. When we minimize, if, if, our, if our game with sin is just to say, you know, let's minimize it. Let's pretend we don't really have it. Let's, let's pretend it isn't our condition still. Let, let's, let's talk about how we've graduated from sin. Let's talk about how we've moved beyond it. Let's talk about how we've, we're so enlightened uh, intellectually, spiritually, relationally, whatever it might be. Um, that now we no longer really need to talk about sin. Uh, we, we, need, no, we can just pretend that it isn't an issue for us anymore. 
which totally ignores Paul in Romans 7, who's, who's fully redeemed, <laughs> you know, and uh, talk yeah. about a dedicated disciple of Jesus Christ. God's using him to write half the New Testament or more at this point. In the midst of writing that, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this in Romans 7, the, 7, the good stuff I want to do, I don't always do, the bad stuff, the evil stuff I don't want to do, the sinful stuff. I end up doing, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this condition? Here's why confession is good for the soul. Here's why it's good to start Ash Wednesday with confession. Here's why our text for Ash Wednesday this year at Hope is Psalm 51, where King David, after being challenged by a friend, who said, you know, David's ready to talk himself out of his sin. He committed adultery. The adultery led to murder. (laughs) You know, it's kind of a problem, right? It's a serious problem for the guy who was murdered. Uh, serious yeah. problem for relationships, serious problem for, for David, for Bathsheba, for everybody involved in the whole sordid affair. And he's ready to just sort of move on. And then his friend holds him accountable, challenges him on it and says, you know, what you're doing isn't of God. You're better than this. This isn't who God made you to be. David receives that because it's true. And, and it becomes this mirror, right, of truth, of honesty that we look into and spiritually reflect upon. It's important for us to do that once in a while. Confession yeah. is good for the soul in that sense. It's important for us not to just sort of brush past all that stuff. So David says, among other things, uh, you know, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, but restore the joy of my salvation. Br- bring me back to square with you, God. Because the great thing about God is God's mercy is wider than our sin. For David, for you, for me, for all of us, for everybody who's tuning in who thinks, you know, God can never really forgive some of the stuff I've done. Well, if we, if we take a quick, you know, sharp right turn away from sin and pretend it's not a part of who we are or our, our, our souls, then we're going to miss out on the joy of absolution, of forgiveness. Ash Wednesday comes after Shrove Tuesday. Shrove comes from the word shrive or shriven, which means a time to confess, a time to come clean, uh, a, a time to bring it before God. So, that's how Lent starts. But it isn't just so we can do navel gazing, right? It isn't just at all, we're just such pitiful, terrible people. It starts there because it's true and because God wants to set us free. You can't clean your garage until you admit you've got a messy garage. <laughs> you know, you, 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 can't, you can't do spring cleaning until you admit you've got to do some spring cleaning. Sally, we're working on some oh, things. Oh, yes. I've been cleaning everything. <laughs> I've gone through all of our kitchen cabinets and worked on the desk. Oh, I don't know why I keep all that stuff inside my desk. It's just terrible. <laughs> but now it's clean and I feel so much better. <laughs> it's a metaphor for our sin, right? Yes. We, we keep this stuff. And how... Now, now I, I happen to know this because just last night uh, we finished with the, the deep clean, not just sur- surface cleaning, but the deep cleaning of the yeah. kitchen, right? How did that feel, Sally? Oh, it was awesome. It was, a, it, we it wanted, was so we, great. We almost started dancing. Yes. It was like joy, right? I wanted to do an organizational <laughs> dance at that moment. Yes, it was fun. <laughs> let's, let's, let's drop a YouTube video out there yeah. and say, you know, celebrate with us. This yeah. is awesome. But we have a sign in our kitchen that says... There's dancing in this kitchen, or in this kitchen we dance. I that's, can't remember. That's so, right. This kitchen's made so for we dancing. we do. We celebrate in the kitchen. <laughs> we, we do. That might be too much information, but I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, that was fun. nice. That was good. <laughs> um, so, to get to that joy, it helps to go through the door of confession, the door of repentance. Um, it helps to go through Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday to get to Easter Sunday, uh, you know, through Good Friday and the cross too, but we'll get to that as we go. So... 
uh, I want to invite people and encourage people to take that journey. To it's it's not that it's necessarily fun to go through the the discipline of confession. There's that discipline disciple word again, um, but that's where Jesus, our teacher, leads us. Uh, it isn't. You know, First John one says, "If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." So the ashes, among other things, are a cleansing agent. I know it seems the opposite, like they just get you dirty. But actually, there's a, chemically, there's something in the ashes that actually cleans your skin. Um, you know, a charcoal being used in every cleaning product, you know, and skin product in the world now is kind of a reminder of this, that the ashes represent the opportunity to be cleansed of our sin, like First John 1 promises. So let's continue on. Next question. Okay, this is a good one because I, I ask this every year. Should I give up something for Lent? Isn't that just an empty ritual and false piety? Mike, would you like to start with that one? I'll start, and I want to hear from you, doctor, uh, on, on this one as well. Should I give up something for Lent? It depends. Where's your heart? Um, if your heart is in the right place, it'll, it'll feel like this, or this will be your experience. Um, I want to give up something for Lent to strengthen my faith. I want to give up something for Lent that maybe nobody else even needs to know about, that I don't need to make a big public statement about. Now, it doesn't mean you can't, but uh, there, are, there is teaching in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he says, when you do these things, just do them. Do them for the sake of your faith. Don't just do them to you know, get noticed or to be religiously praised by other religious people. Wow, did you hear that? that uh, Pastor Mike is giving up, uh, you know, I don't know, barbecue for, for Lent. That'd be a huge sacrifice. How, how, wow, that's, that's really, he's really religious. He's super, <laughs> he's a super spiritual dude. Um, now I'm starting to do that for, for the wrong reasons. I'm starting to do that to get noticed. I'm starting to do that for my own glory. If we do it for the glory of God, if we do it as a discipline for the sake of growing in our faith, it's going to be a different story. So then I would encourage you, if you're going to give up something for Lent, to do it without telling anybody, but make a commitment to it and, and, and do that with God. If you do tell somebody, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to throw you out of the church, uh, that's fine. But uh, I would encourage you to do it with your heart in the right place, that you're making this sacrifice for the one who made the ultimate sacrifice for you. And in that sense, you're truly following him. As Richard, you said at the beginning, is that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, is to follow our teacher. What else would you say about giving something up for Lent or maybe taking something on, which other people do? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things. One um, is sometimes what we're giving up is resources we should give up. In right. other words, what, what has God given us? that he wants us to pass on to the neighbor. And it may be that you have a call to support someone in missions work. Maybe you're called to support an inner city ministry. And this might be the time you start that. Um, because, uh, you know, one of the things I've learned is when, when, when you give away either of, of your, your own time or, or your talent or, or also your resources, you, you begin to realize how much God has blessed you. So there's something in giving things up that we actually get something. Part of it is when we give away stuff, we're acting like God, because that's what God does. He gives away stuff. He gives away his love just freely and recklessly. Um, the, the second is, when I think of it, when we give stuff up, particularly like fasts, food, whatever, is we're actually creating space for something else. Right. So, you know, that might be if, if you want to lean into experiencing God's presence, then give up a meal and don't just not eat, but then take that same time 
and, and dwell in God's presence in the many ways we can do that. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of ways I would think of giving things up. Yeah, I think I think this is a really good spiritual discipline, potentially, um, to give something up for Lent. And it doesn't have to be Lent. Fasting can be something that we do in any season of the year for, yeah. for whatever the Lord lays on our hearts. Um, but it's fasting for a purpose. It's fasting um, for the sake of growth in our faith and for the sake of discipleship. Um, when Sally, I know you've given up things for Lent. In fact, you usually do every year. Uh, what is that? What is that experience like along the way? And how does that strengthen your faith? Or how does that? And and also, how does it feel when you get there? When you get to Easter Sunday? You're like, okay, I made it. Um, to talk about that a little bit from a, just a real down-to-earth perspective. Well, I find it real challenging because when you give something up, it's I try to give up something that I really like, and that's really hard. I mean, that first couple of days, mm-hmm. oh, I, I, I have a voice in my head saying, you could, you could just have one cookie. It doesn't count. And so <laughs> different things like that. And, you know, but when you make it through, you really feel much better and probably because you're giving up something that isn't so good for you. And so I think your body's healthier um, by the time you get through it. And so, yeah, it's great. I mean, you do feel a lot better. And I always kind of think like, if I can't give up a cookie and Jesus gave up his life for us, you know, I got to keep it in perspective. (laughs) Well, and and there it is. If, If Christ could give up his life for us, make that ultimate sacrifice, this sacrifice is just a small taste. Yeah of what that's like, which is going to draw me closer to him. Now, that's giving something up for Lent for the right reasons. Now, now it's a spiritual thing, and it isn't just a diet thing or, a, right. um, you know, I want to be healthier physically, and so I'm going to do this. Fine, if you can get a win-win that way, you know, do, yeah. do something that's good for your body and good for your soul at the same time, then, then more power to you. I'd highly recommend it. Next question, Sally. Okay, how can an old religious tradition become a season of spiritual growth for me? Richard, can you start us off with that? Yeah, I want to just give you some really practical things. And I wanted to start with, with confession again. Um, as, uh, as, as Pastor Mike, as you've talked about, confession has the bad rap sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a way to kind of think about it is what would happen if you took an inventory of all the places that you'd like to grow? Mm-hmm. And then maybe you take a look at that and say, okay, where are the places where something seems to be getting in the way? Then you start asking, what's getting in the way? You might even have a conversation with a trusted friend on that one. Uh, so we're kind of looking, uh, how can we have a spiritual garage sale? Well, we're going to start working on the stuff that's getting in the way uh, for what God has called us to be. And that will involve having to come clean with that. But again, what I love about the word confession is it means to, to be on the same page as God. That's literally what it means in the Greek, is to be on the same page as God. Which is, kind of, all this stuff. Which, which is kind of but, a good goal yeah. when you think about it, right? To be yeah, on the same page yeah. with God, that yeah. seems like a, <laughs> a worthy goal. Go on, yes. please. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, again, we've talked about, um, are there places um, where, uh, where you really feel a passion to lean into something? Uh, maybe there's some spots where you've been getting a call from God and stuff just consistently gets in the way over and over. Uh, one of the things you might do is start putting in your calendar appointments to do that thing you've been putting off that God's been calling you to do, whether it's calling a friend um, or just spending more time with God. So it's really about a time of initiating practices, uh, practical things to help you move forward in your walk with God. And, and, and I would also say it's a time to let go of unfinished business 
maybe you've got some bitterness that's getting in the way, you know, and, and it's interfering with your relationships. This would be a perfect time to work on that one and, and, and no longer allow that past to define you, but let God's grace and forgiveness define you. Um, the same thing would be true with any regrets. Maybe you've got a habit, you know, that needs, you know, that's really messing your life up and also the lives of those around you. This might be a time to get connected with Celebrate Recovery here at Hope. Um, so it, it's a time to initiate also um, and, and become more of what God is calling us to be. It's brilliant, Richard, just like you are. Um, not surprising that you would uh, give us really deep, theologically uh, tested and biblically based uh, orders, you know, from the Lord, but bring it down to a level that we can actually apply it. So, thank you for that. Let's take a deeper dive now, Richard and Sally. Let's let's uh, let's let's hone in on this even a little bit more. So, if Lent is this tradition um, that was started by Christians in the third or fourth century, it's not in the Bible. It's not Lent itself. Forty days is, but Lent itself isn't. It's not uh, something that Jesus commanded. And so, I know a lot of Christians, and, and I think the motivation for this is fine, um, but it starts to get a little self-righteous when it crosses a line. Let, let me explain. So, when some Christians look at Lent, they say, well, I'm not doing that. That's just tradition. That's just, um, you know, a, a humanly contrived kind of spiritual discipline thing. And if it doesn't come from the Lord, then I'm not going to do it. Uh, well, there are a lot of things that don't come directly from the Lord that can be Bible-based and can actually be incredibly helpful in our walk with God. Yep, there are some pitfalls here. There are some ditches. There's some landmines. You know, use whatever analogy you want, where we can trip up and we can make Lent about something it's not supposed to be. We can we can make it about more about us and getting noticed and getting recognized. Uh, we can make it more about um, you know things that aren't really Christ-like or Christ-centered. Uh, all those things are true. Or we can just make a tradition for the sake of tradition, which also isn't ultimately going to be helpful. But around here, we have this core value. We say we worship God, not tradition, which really sets us free to worship in all sorts of different ways um, w- without a lot of boundaries. It's it's kind of funny to me, Richard, we talk about this from time to time, that there are Christians and denominations uh, that are out there in the world that tend to be very loose with Scripture, <laughs> but then they get mm-hmm. very legalistic when it comes to how they express themselves in worship. Like, there's only one yes. way uh, to yeah. do that, and it's got to be with a pipe organ, and it's got to be, you know, with a hymnal and a certain kind of liturgy, and that's the only way, even though mm-hmm. Jesus never said that, and Scripture never says that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for us as a church, we're kind of the opposite, and we're certainly not alone. There are a lot of churches like us. When it comes to Scripture... We believe what the Bible says, and the Bible says what we believe. Uh, we, we try to take that very seriously, even when it challenges us. Uh, so, we try not to be loose with it at all, quite the opposite. We have yeah. a very high view of Scripture, uh, but we have a very low view of traditions. Uh, and so, but that isn't anti-traditional. So, we have this tradition of Lent that we fully embrace here at Hope. Uh, we have the Christmas and Easter seasons that we fully embrace. We, we have a lot of Christian traditions that Jesus didn't mandate that we embrace. And I think that that's helpful if our hearts are in the right place. It just keeps getting back to where's your heart. Uh, It keeps getting back to... So, an old tradition can actually be a great blessing for us. And and for anybody who applies this, if if we um, do it for the right reasons. So, when we say we worship God, not tradition around here, it doesn't mean we're against tradition. 
It just means show me the tradition that helps us grow in faith and we'll embrace that part mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. But if it's tradition for the sake of tradition, at one point in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is quoted as saying, you know, sometimes to the religious traditionalists, he said, sometimes for the sake of tradition, you make void the word of God. Um, yeah. when, when it's all about uh, not eating something on a certain day because it's our tradition. Well, why are you doing it again? You know, for, for, yeah. is it for the sake of tradition or is it for the sake of God, the God of uh, who inspires us to live out these traditions? And I think that's really important. And I think that's part of what needs to be renewed in us as we go. What, what would you say uh, in that line? You are an organist. You're, you love pipe organs. You love traditional worship. Oh, yeah. I know this about you. I love traditional worship <laughs> and organs too. But, mm-hmm. but here at Hope, how, how do we approach that? How, how would you explain that to somebody who's new to hope? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I've had those conversations recently, with, and I've said, you know, hey, I got my uh, my master's in organ, and, and um, you know, I love organ music, me and about 15% of the country. So <laughs> That's uh, kind of a high call. estimate, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Try about five. No. Um, but, but the 5% of us yeah. are really into it. That's good. Yeah, yeah. But I also believe we're called the love of the 95. And so, you know, I, I sort of focus on on that. Um, in other words, uh, God has called us to be both. And that's what I love about hope. I mean, we do everything from what looks like really Pentecostal worship to what looks more mainstream evangelical to what looks what I was once told by one of our interns is high church Lutheran worship. <laughs> so, you know, and again, that's right in the spirit of our tradition where our, our core documents say it's not necessary everywhere that human be, uh, traditions be alike, uh, you know, in all times and all places. What is necessary is that Christ and Him crucified is preached. Amen. The gospel is the point. And so whether it's a pipe organ or a rock band, if it points to the gospel, go for it. Yeah, and, and so Lent in that context can be this tradition which could really bless people. If we could get yeah. over our biases or our dismissiveness mm-hmm. saying, well, I don't do Lent because it's just some sort of Christian tradition mm-hmm. or religious tradition, yeah. or I do Lent just for the sake of tradition. Both of those are less than ultimately healthy re- uh, responses yeah. or approaches. I think better to say, I'm going to live out, I'm going to apply and live out this tradition of Lent in my life for the next 40 days leading up to Easter because I want to take advantage of this opportunity to grow. I want this to be a 40 days of renewal for me. Uh, I, I want this to be a 40 days of renewal for the people around me. So I'm going to encourage other people to do it too. Um, and yeah. that's, that's where the light starts to break through the darkness, I think, for us. And yeah. Let's, yeah. let's wrap up with this kind of idea. What, and I want to hear from both of you on this. This will be our mic drop moments uh, as we close this episode. Why is this so important? Why do you, maybe it's just me, but why do you feel like Lent is so important for our world right about now? <laughs> what, what is it about the context of what's happening in our world that, that it, this just seems to me to be exactly what the doctor ordered, Dr. Webb? Uh, what would you say about that? What does the world need when it comes to Lent in this particular time? Well, when I think again of the word Lent, it not only means growth, but renewal, hence 40 days of renewal. I think we need to ask ourselves what in me needs to be renewed, re-energized, restarted, but even more so because God created me to pour his love through me to someone else. What in the world needs to be renewed? What in the world needs to be restarted? And where am I called to be a part of that? Maybe you're called to be part of, of racial reconciliation. 
maybe you're called just personally to to examine where God's calling you to be a more loving human being to your family. Uh, you know, are you are you called? You know, where is it that that your gifts and your passions meet the needs of the world, and and where is that point of renewal that God is calling you to engage in? Amen. I'll I'll just add this that in addition to all those things, like where is God calling you to go and and to, to engage mm-hmm. in? That in a in a season and in a time when people are are weary and worn mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. um, kind of at their edge, or some of them are past their edge. And maybe mm-hmm. that's you uh, as you're listening to this podcast as we wrap this up. I, I've got good news for you, and it isn't anything I can give you. It's the one we worship, Jesus Christ, and mm-hmm. what He can give you. This can be a season of renewal. This can be a springtime. Yeah. This yeah. can be a time where out of winter comes new life, uh, uh, comes growth. And it can happen at the very essence of your being, the depths of your soul. It can become something that starts to become mm-hmm. life-changing for you. And so... You know, the wilderness is never a waste. Uh, the people yeah. of God wandered through the wilderness for 40 years on their way to the promised land. And that was about 39 and three quarters years longer than it should have taken. Um, you know, if you just do the Google Maps walk part of that. Uh, but it took them that long. It, it wasn't their choice. It wasn't what they wanted, but it's what they got. And along the way, God provided. God provided manna from heaven. God provided water from a rock. God provided a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. God provided a parting of the sea. God provided uh, for everything that they needed along the way. And so, as they go in this, this season of 40, this season of mm-hmm. 40 years, the people of God learn, well, God is faithful. Yeah. God is good. And man, if there's anything we need to learn or relearn more than that right now, I don't know what it is. In a yeah. season where this pandemic has gone from weeks to months to now a year, almost, I mean, we're, we're fast approaching that, to be reminded, not just as a concept, but as an actual feeling, as an experience, God is faithful. God is with us. God is good. God is, God is with us when we're on the mountaintops and God is with us when we're wandering in the wilderness so let this be a season, this, this 40 days of Lent for, for all of you, where you experience that, where you experience the goodness of God, the presence of God, the direction of God, that you learn to grow as you follow Jesus Christ as his student, as we've talked about today. Sally, uh, last word from you, mic drop moment for you. What, what is it that, that stands out for you in the conversation today? Well, so much. I've learned a lot today. Um, I'm kind of a numbers person, so I love learning about the significance of the 40 days and how in these 40 days, it's, it's a renewal. It's time for us to renew, to refine, to re-evangelize. I would also say re-evaluate. Um, and restore the joy of my salvation. And I think that's what the world really needs to do is restore the joy of our salvation because of Jesus Christ. And so many people in this world take that for granted. And that's really sad. So I hope that these 40 days will be life-changing for a lot of people. Amen. I I do too. Pastor Richard, will you pray for us as we close uh, this episode and we uh, begin this season of Lent? Pray for everybody who's tuning in. You bet. I'd be happy to. Lord, I thank you so much that because you love us so much, the wilderness is never a waste. Uh, Whatever that we're going through personally uh, with COVID, with the economy, with just all the cultural disruptions of the world, Lord, the wilderness is never a waste with you. Uh, I thank you for your promises to work all things for our benefit and your purposes. Lord, you know what, what everybody is facing right now. 
and, and, and you know what everybody's going through. And I ask that you would startle us all into an awareness of your presence and, and even more awareness of your loving, healing, restoring, renewing presence. Make us hungry for you. Oh, Lord, I'd ask for renewal in relationships, uh, wherever they're broken, that you would restore them, uh, renewal in our economy, uh, that people would begin to get uh, jobs back, a renewal of our health, especially those who are suffering from COVID. Lord, uh, just your healing hand be upon them. And Lord, as we enter into this season of, of Lent, that for every church um, uh, in this land and, and in, uh, on this planet, that this would be a time of radical growth, radical renewal, uh, even, dare we say, revival that would spill out into the streets and, and, and change our, 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 our broken cultures so that they would reflect more and more your love. Pray in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Dr. Richard Webb. Thank you, Sally Householder. Now people know um, where the theological weight comes in our relationship. <laughs> well, well done. No. Uh, thanks for pinch hitting. And Emily, you get well. We miss you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. for those of you who are watching, we love you. God loves you even more. Happy Lent. Stay tuned at the end of this episode uh, for a couple of really important announcements about the podcast. It's just a few seconds. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your faithfulness. Keep the faith. Um, not in us, though, in the God that we follow. And have a blessed... Lenten season, a time of renewal for you. Please like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. Join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode on the season of Lent and specifically 40 Days of Renewal. That's our theme here at Hope during the season of Lent that starts this week. And Pastor Mike dropped this podcast we're going to take advantage of the season of Lent, and each day for 40 days during the season of Lent, you're going to hear a Pastor Mike Drop devotional. So I'm excited about it. I'll be coming to you every day uh, during the season of Lent leading up to Easter, and we're going to take a deeper dive into the texts uh, that really provide a significant foundation for this season of renewal. It's going to be 40 days of renewal for you, for me, hopefully for the world around us. Tell your friends. Uh, we want to grow in God's Word. We want to grow in faith. We want to grow as followers of Jesus Christ. We want to take full advantage of this opportunity in this particular time and place. So we'll see you tomorrow for our first of 40 special Pastor Mike Drop episodes during the season of Lent.